Hey y'all, this is Charlie, and we are living, loving, laughing in grace. And on today's podcast, you're going to get to hear a sermon from one of our home church series that uh, I get very, very privileged to share with you. And there's an extra special bonus blessing in this podcast. And that's that on this particular day, we had three wonderful little girls who got to join us. If you've listened to the previous podcast, you've heard a little bit about them. And and that is Riley and Kennedy and their youngest sister, Kinley. And I want to tell you, these precious girls are nine, seven, and five. And they joined us um, as they do sometimes. And this particular day, you know, I let the spirit lead me. My sermon ended up being an hour long. Okay, listen to that. An hour long. Don't you worry. (laughs) We split it up into two parts for you. So uh, you'll get a part one and a part two. But that day actually preaching it, it was an hour. And these precious three girls, they sat there and they enjoyed that with us. You know, yep, you're going to get to hear them some in the background. That's why I'm telling you about them a little bit. And, you know, we did have some coloring pages available for them. And so they were sitting there coloring. But can I tell you what you can't see? is that they were still involved. You know, there's times where I would say things like, you know, say three days and they'd say three days, you know, and they would giggle at my impersonations and, and you know, they were still into it. And that's just the, what we talked about in our last podcast that we, we should never underestimate what children are capable of. They have the same Holy Spirit in them that we do. And it is through the Holy Spirit alone that we all receive revelation of the Lord. So we were really blessed to have them join us. And I'm just letting you know, because every now and then you're going to be blessed to get to hear them in the background of this recording. And they are sweet, sweet little girls. So, all right, here you go. All right. Well, welcome. It is good to be in the house of God. Amen. Because God is, and Jesus is, and Jesus is, and God is, one more time, God is, and Jesus is, amen, yes, he is, God is good, and Jesus is alive, and we are so privileged to get to gather together um, to see him and spend time with him. In John chapter 8, verse 2, it says, now early in the morning, He, and this is speaking of Jesus, came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. I love this because I just think of this, that for thousands of years, God kept trying to show us who he is, show us his goodness, show us his grace, show us his love. And we just weren't getting it. So he left heaven left his glory, came down here and taught us himself the humility and the love and just how close he wants to be with us. That He's like, you're not getting it. I'm going to come down here and bring it to you. And it says that all the people would come to him. And this was, you know, this was the poor people and the common people and the people that the Pharisees just didn't have time for because they, they couldn't give them money or they couldn't serve. They couldn't do anything for them. So they had no interest in them. But Jesus did. Jesus came for them. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus himself still comes to teach us. He said we're two or three gather. He's here. So it might be through my mouth, but it's his word and it's Jesus who comes 
to teach us. And if that's not good enough, everywhere Jesus went teaching, we saw healing and salvation. So we can expect that as we hear his word and we get to see him, that his healing is going forth into our bodies, into our minds, into our life every single time. And sometimes we get it all at once, and that is a miracle. But Jesus told us that sometimes the harvest comes 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So sometimes we show up and we get that seed. We get the beginning of our miracle. But every time we see Jesus, every time we hear his word, he is leaving his life. He's leaving his divinity inside of us. We never walk away the same. Hallelujah. And so we get the privilege of joining here together today and letting him teach us. Amen. Amen. So be expecting when we get into the word that he's going to be teaching us. He's going to show us himself and he's going to go to work in us. Hallelujah. Daddy God, we thank you that you did. You love us so much that you sent your son to be with us, to give himself for us so that we can live. We expect to see you one day. We expect to be in the fullness of your glory. Heaven is now our home and you are now our father. And that is where we're headed. And we thank you that that we can expect Jesus himself to be here and to teach each and every one of us, to show each and every one of us something unique for our life, for our heart that we need. And we just thank you for that. And now we just worship you, Lord, because you are good because you are gracious, because your mercy endures forever, your love endures forever, your patience endures forever. We just worship you for who you are. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to turn to Romans 2, verse 4, to start off. And we are going to hit a lot of scripture today. So I want to encourage you uh, to write down the references. Um, You know, Sunday is really an appetizer, right? It's like where we get just such a, a little bite of the word that is meant to appetize us and spur on our desire to get into it more in the week. You know, no matter whether it's here or wherever you're receiving the word, you all know from your own time in the word, you can come back to the same scripture over and over and over again and get more out of it. So it's like the Lord gives us a little appetizer on Sunday and we can go back during the week and he'll give us more and more. He'll give us that steak and potatoes and that tiramisu and everything else that we want to go with it, right? Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. We are led to repentance through the goodness of God. And repentance in the new covenant simply means to change your mind. It means to change your mind. And what are we meant to change our mind about? It just told us we're meant to change our mind and see the goodness of God. The areas where we are struggling are the very areas where we need a greater revelation of his goodness. It's not that we need to try harder. In fact, the more we try, the harder we hold on, God lets go because we can't both be working. Either he is or we are. 
but grace to be grace is mutually exclusive from our works. We can either rely on God's grace or we can rely on our own work, but we can't rely on both. It's one or the other. And when we see God's goodness in our life, that will bring us to repentance. We cannot make a big enough deal about how good God is. But the devil definitely wants us to belittle how good God is. Right. I'll give you an example. So, um, you know, sometimes we fall into that trap of thinking that we have to work so hard to provide for our families. And then our our work becomes stressful and it becomes burdensome because we're constantly worried, you know, and then we're worried that we have to do this and this, even though it might not necessarily be right. Or we know they're demanding too much because we think we've got to have this job. But when we step back and we remember, wait a minute, a long time ago, God said, He's our provider and God will always provide for us. And we see his goodness that he has always provided for us. He has always taken care of us and taken care of our family. And he will always. Then we can see our jobs as what they really are. They're just a means. They're a channel of God's goodness to us. They're not the supplier. God is. If we lose that job, we should know that our God who loves us and cares for us has a better one waiting for us. And that's repentance. That's what I mean by when we know his goodness it brings us repentance and it also takes care of those areas that we're struggling in. You know, when people are struggling with sickness, I can tell you from my own experience, when I was laying in my bed dying, it was because I did not have the correct perception of how good God is that he absolutely, despite anything I'd ever done, wanted me healed. Mm. And it wasn't until I received that, that he was able to heal me because I, in essence, was pushing him back. But with that revelation of his goodness, I was able to receive what he had always been trying to give me. And the best place we can go to see God's goodness is God's word. Amen. And sometimes we need, we, need, we need to look at things that, you know, just by the way they've been taught, we've missed his goodness in them. And so today we're going to go to one where we're going to see his goodness in a big way. We're going to see his grace in a big way about what really happened at Mount Sinai. I love this. But before we get to Mount Sinai, we got to go further back than that at where their covenant actually started. So we're going to go back to Genesis 15, where we've been previously. So we're going to go to Genesis 15, verse 12. And this is when God has, is cutting the covenant with Abraham. And we know that just before this, God revealed the salvation plan of Jesus Christ to Abraham and he believed in that and because he believed in that God accredited righteousness to Abraham the same way that we receive it today we, we believe that Jesus Christ was our sacrifice and took our sins and died in our place and that because of that we have been justified and so then God cuts this covenant but he actually cuts it between himself it says that a, a burning uh, a smoking oven and a, and a burning torch went between the two pieces. And we know Jesus is the light of the world. So he was that torch and God was the oven. Because if God cut the covenant with Abraham, then Abraham would have to be able to uphold his end and be perfect. And God knows none of us can. So this was a foreshadowing. This was a picture of what was to come when God was going to cut another covenant with his son at the cross. And this is a speaking towards that. 
And we went into a lot of detail about that before, so we're not here, but just to refresh your memory a little bit. But I want you to see this part, what God did speak to Abram. He said, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. You know, I used to read this and wonder, Lord, why in the world did you tell Abraham this? Like, I don't think I'd want to know that my descendants are going to become slaves for 400 years. That's what God just told him. Yeah, you're going to have descendants, but guess what? They're going to be slaves. They're going to be treated very badly. Now, in the end, I will bring them out. But I used to wonder, God, did he really need to know that? Like, couldn't you just told him the good fluffy stuff and left that out? You know, I don't know if you ever ask God questions like that, but I do and I love it because he answers me. Um, and so we're going to go. So keep that in mind. We're going to go and we're going to get that answer in Exodus 2, 23. It says, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged him, acknowledged them. So, so, we, so we know that after a time, the Pharaoh who loved Joseph passed away. And as time went on, the Egyptians saw the Israelites growing and growing and growing, and they became fearful of them, so they turned them into slaves. And they actually lived in that slavery for quite a while. It is amazing what we will put up with in our own strength. You know, this had gone on for over 215 years before they finally groaned, before they finally cried out. But I want you to notice something. It does not say they cried out to the Lord. They simply cried out and what's the difference you know the difference is that i could run my leg into this table and i go Ugh! i cried out or i could run my leg into this table and go oh jesus that really hurt please help me they didn't do that they simply cried out and yet god heard them god heard them and he looked on them and he remembered the covenant he made with Abraham. It's all about the covenant that we have. It's the same for us today. It is because of the covenant we have with God that he cut through his son, that he looks on us today. And he's not waiting for eloquent, perfect prayers. He's just waiting for us to give up on our own strength in any way and give him that little bit that he can come in because he won't override our free will. So as long as we're saying, I got it, God's saying, okay, and when you don't anymore, I'm here waiting. And so they finally groaned and God responded, but he responded because of that covenant, not because they were perfect, not because they were good, not because they were even worshiping him. At this point, they didn't even know him anymore. If you go to uh, Joshua 2, uh, 14. Many of us are familiar with, I'm sorry, 24. Joshua 24, 14. Many of us are familiar with Joshua's statement that says, as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. But there was a part that came before that. There was a reason he stated that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Because before that, he says, now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. The Israelites were actually worshiping the Egyptian gods. Where do we think they learned to make a golden calf and worship it? They learned that from somewhere. That's why he's telling them to turn away because they had been worshiping the Egyptian gods. God did not save the Israelites because they're perfect. He didn't save them because they're good. He saved them because of the covenant they were under. And he is faithful to his covenant. He was righteous and just in saving them because he had already declared to Abraham that your descendants will become slaves and I will save them. So he was righteous in what he did. He was faithful. He was faithful to the word that he spoke. Just like he is faithful to us today because of the covenant that we have. He is righteous and blessing us because we have been made righteous in Christ. His justice is now on our side. His justice demands that we be justified because Christ has put our sins away once and forever. And so they simply groaned out and God heard them. He heard them. He remembered them. He remembered his covenant. He looked upon them and he acknowledged them. Hallelujah. So, so we know he hears them, so he sends Moses to save them. And I want you to look at Exodus 5, verse 17. And this is where Moses has gone. He is, him and Aaron have, by now they've presented themselves to Pharaoh, and they're asking for the children of Israel to be able to go and worship the Lord. And Pharaoh, Egypt, represents the world. And the Israelites actually represent all of us. This is our lineage that we came from. And, and Pharaoh represents the devil. I don't think that one's too hard to get. But in Exodus 5, verse 17, so after, after they've um, come and asked for them to leave, Pharaoh's response is, but he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work. So his accusation to them is that they're lazy. Notice that he ties up work and the sacrifice. The devil will always want us to think that we have to work for what the Lord has given us. That accusation comes from him. Like what? You think that you can just rest in your blessed assurance of Jesus? You've got to work for that. You've got to earn that. That's right out of the mouth of Pharaoh. No, because of Jesus Christ. And that shows us exactly the Lord's desire. His desire is that we rest in the perfect work of his son. Because of his son, it tells us in Romans 5, 1, we now have peace with God. Our spirit is at rest. Our soul is meant to be at rest. Our body is meant to be at rest, knowing that there is no judgment for us. There is no punishment for us. Jesus Christ took care of all of that. And that doesn't mean that we, we don't serve, but we serve out of the rest of knowing that we are at peace with God and that we have his favor. We have his love. We are his delight. And we can't lose those things. 
We also can't gain them no matter how hard we work. And then the, the Israelites' response when they found out that um, Pharaoh took away their, their, the straw for making their bricks, basically he made their job much, much, much harder. And then they started beating the Israelites when they couldn't do the same amount of work, even though it had been made harder. And so they come, they come to Moses and Aaron and they say to him, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. They cared more how Pharaoh and his servants viewed them than how the Lord viewed them. The Lord had already told them he was going to deliver them. But they're angry because now Pharaoh has a bad opinion of them. That's another accusation that the devil will bring against you. He will try to make you think that your God has a bad opinion of you. Our God sent his son for us. He sent the very best he has for us. So what is his opinion of us? Amen. Amen. And, and he sees that the Israelites don't trust in him. They don't know him. And yet he still pursues them. So then the Lord sends the plagues, we know, as, as one to, as a testimony to all of them. Because, you know, he made a difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians. They did not suffer. The Israelites were in the land of Goshen. And it was the Egyptians who suffered. It even says that when the, when the time of darkness came, that the Israelites had light in their dwellings, but the Egyptians didn't. Now, the Israelites are slaves, so if this was a matter of just finding something and lighting it, if they could do that, the Egyptians could too. This was a spiritual darkness, a heavy darkness. So they get to watch as the Lord does all these incredible uh, show of power and force on their behalf. We know eventually that they get let go. And um, we're going to go now to Exodus 13, verse 17. So we know finally the, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, after they lost their firstborn. Oh, Exodus 13. I know we're going through a lot of stuff. I want you to have a big overview picture because I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I used to think that it was the Israelites who were special. Like when I read that scripture that they used to worship the Egyptian idols, it just blew open a whole world for me. Like, wait a minute, Lord. But God did everything he did for them because he's good. Everything he does for us, he does because he's good, because he is love. And the price has been paid by Jesus. So in Exodus 13, 17, it says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So, so think of this. These are people, they weren't made into slaves. They were born into it. Generation after generation of people who are just used to being slaves. And even though it was quicker to go the way of the Philistines, and even though God was with them so they would have been victorious, he knew that in their hearts, the minute they saw war, they'd run back to Egypt and say, it's better to be slaves because they're not warriors yet. And so out of his wisdom, he takes them the longer way. You know, sometimes when we are waiting on the Lord to answer a prayer or we're waiting for a breakthrough, it's the same thing. God knows that we're not quite ready yet. 
He knows that there's a strengthening we need. There's a preparation that we need. And he is working that in us. So we get confused and we think he's not answering us. When he's already answered us, he's just getting us ready to see the breakthrough. Hallelujah. God is always working on our behalf. And so he takes them the longer way into the wilderness and to the Red Sea. And then in, skip down to verse 21. It says, and the Lord went before them by day and a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night and a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from the people. How many of you have ever been in a desert? Yeah, deserts are really hot during the day. What is a nice big cloud that blocks the sun when you're in the desert? That's AC. Oh. <laughs> that's cooling. He was protecting them from the heat of the sun. And then at night, he was a big pillar of fire because deserts, as hot as they are during the day, they are cold at night. And not only that, that's when the snakes come out and the scorpions come out and all those lovely things. And we're talking about two to three million people moving through the desert. They're not going to sneak by. But God appeared as a pillar of fire, kept them warm, kept them protected. And in this period, on this side of Mount Sinai, not one person was ever bit and not one person ever died. So they get, they, uh, they travel with him and then they come to the Red Sea. And we know that Pharaoh changes his mind and decides to pursue them once again. So they're backed up with the Red Sea on one side and Pharaoh bearing down on them on the other. And they've always, already seen all these great miracles, but... We can be forgetful people, right? All of us have had the Lord do incredible things in our lives to even be sitting here. But generally speaking, sometimes we can be forgetful about that, especially when we're faced with a big challenge, when we get bad news, when we get disheartening news, when the world says there's no way to get over this. Sometimes we can forget everything God has done for us. And so it says that as they grew near, uh, in Exodus 14, verse 10, it says they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. See, there is a difference and at least we've got some progress because this time they did cry out to the Lord. However, they, still, uh, they were still a little lacking because they said, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Right? So sarcastic, hurtful, they're speaking death. Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Death, death, death. They're focused on death. Not only that, they would rather be slaves to the world. And we can fall into that too. Sometimes we can be under a bondage for so long, it just seems easier to sit there than to trust in the Lord, to see his mighty power, see his goodness, see his love that no, he has a better way. And Lord, we ask for that, for the vision, for inner visions to see what our life would be like. And when we're completely trusting in you and your word, your love and your goodness. All right, y'all, that is all we have time for today. As I promised, we're going to have to split this sermon up into two different podcasts. So 
Tune in next time to get the other half of this sermon. I know that it's really going to bless you. But I want to share one last thing with you. And that is on this particular Sunday, when we received communion, we did something a little different than normal. There is a beautiful song written by uh, Decibel Worship called The Communion. And if you go to YouTube, you can just put that in, The Communion by Decibel Worship, and several different video options will come up. Well, if you choose their acoustic version, you'll see that while they're playing this song, they're also showing videos of, of people all over the world receiving communion. And it is just beautiful. And so on this Sunday, we played that and there's uh, prayers in there. And, and as uh, we um, listen to those prayers, we receive communion with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in spirit. And it was just an incredible experience. And uh, we felt the tangible presence of the Lord as he manifested himself to us. And I wanted to share that with you, encourage you to, to go and look up that video and, um, and just receive communion with the Lord and, and celebrate what he did for us at the cross, because that is what the communion is all about. All right, my friends, uh, I pray that you've been blessed. Remember that God loves you. He cares for you. And until next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.